0: You know, to live under your circumstances or you're on top of them. Well, let's go back into Matthew chapter 16. I want to speak, I'm carrying on the third week on missions, then we'll uh, move to another flow. I want to pick up this missions, expect a harvest, expect a harvest. We've been sowing, now we need to expect a harvest. I want to talk a little bit about that. But let's go back to where we had those uh, verse in Matthew chapter 16. And uh, Jesus said, who do you say I am? Say, who do you say I am? Jesus, and, and, and uh, ask that question to every person. You need to know who he is, who he is to you. See? Unless you've discovered who he is, you won't live out of that revelation. You need to live out of what God is to us. And so I heard about Jesus. Well, he was the sort of person far away, died a long time ago. But then I discovered he's my savior. He's my friend. He's my shepherd. He's a healer. He's many things. And as we get to know who he is, and we begin to believe and stand on that, then our, that becomes a foundation for our life, our walk with God. Say so we need experiential knowledge, just not a heap of Bible knowledge. If we only have a heap of Bible knowledge, become very religious. more knowledge you have, more religious you'll get. Unless you actually match lifestyle and experience to what we're actually learning. We have to match the two together. And so we need to grow in our experience, our encounters with God, not just knowing about him. Amen. What's what Jesus said. Uh, Blessed are you, Simon, by Jonah. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. He said, I say unto you, Peter, you are Peter upon this rock. I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. Jesus came with a mission. He was sent into the world. Sent. He was a man with a mission. He said, as the Father sent me, I send you. He wants every one of us to live our life with a sense of purpose. How many of you noticed tonight, today when you're watching that video clip and they were asking some young people out in the community, what's your purpose in life? Uh, 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 oh, oh, uh, oh, I'm a bit hungover, a bit early in the day to be asking that. You know, man, what kind of thing? That tells you how bad it is. Can you imagine living your life you don't know why you're here? That's serious. That's serious. And you don't want to be a Christian doesn't know why here either. You've got a purpose in life. You've got a mission. Jesus Jesus called us to follow him and then to penetrate every area of our community. He said, I will build my church. The church belongs to him. And so if the church belongs to him and he's building the church, he's building you and me individually. He's building us corporately and he's building us for his purpose. If it's his church, he can say what it's for. Now, the next thing I I, I want to talk about in this this thing here, because we've touched on some of those concepts. He said, said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, that's an interesting thing. I won't go into all the details of what that means. I don't want to focus there. I want to focus on mission today. But very clearly, Jesus anticipates that any person who chooses to follow him and embrace his call will face conflict. If you are living a powerful, strong life for Jesus Christ, an unashamed life for Him, there will be conflicts come just because of that. You don't go to the same places, don't do the same things. You stand up for what's honest, stand up for what's right, speak your mind at times. Somehow, it just really rattles people. There is a conflict spiritually in the world today between those who know Jesus Christ and have a mission to advance His knowledge. See? And those who don't know him. I, I saw a film I, I really quite enjoyed a little while ago. It was called The Lord of War. Who heard who, who that one? The Lord of War. No, no. no. The younger ones probably went to see that one. Nicolas Cage was in it. it out, anyway, it's a story about a guy. It's based on true story. But the uh, story is about a guy who's a gun runner. And he smuggles guns to the various nations in the world. A very lucrative trade. But he makes this interesting statement. Beginning of the movie. stands there and he's saying, three people out of ten in this world own a gun. He said, My job is to sell a gun to the other seven. I thought, well, it doesn't matter how many believers there are in the world, our job is to convert the rest. We have a mission. We have something we're called to do. You're called to bring someone. Why? Because people don't have hope. They don't they live a life that's purposeless and meaningless. There's nothing physical can satisfy the needs inside your soul. We're made for a relationship with God. So Jesus said there would be a conflict that would come. Now, we don't like conflict, but it is inevitable. That's what he said. He said, the gates of hell shall not prevail. In other words, the church I'm building is made up of people who have learned to access my life, and whatever comes up in life, they're more than able to handle it. In other words, there's no situation you're going to face that God won't provide you what you need to win in that situation through faith. The church Jesus is building is a prevailing church. Does that mean everyone's strong and there's no weak people? No, no, there'll always be various measures of where people are at. But what it means is the prevailing attitude is that of advancement and winning, not one of holding ground and retreating. The kingdom of God. Daniel had a vision of the kingdom of God. He saw it as stone. He saw a stone. And he said that stone was made without hands. In other words, it came from God. It refers to the kingdom that will advance, go through the whole of the earth. And he said he saw that stone smite the image that was made over the, the representing different, different uh, uh, empires over world history. And he said that stone became a mountain that filled the whole earth. And he said that's the kingdom of God. It will fill the whole earth. That's our kingdom. That's the one we're part of. And God calls you to advance his kingdom in your part of the world. I want to just focus today. I want to just uh, carry on our thought on missions. And I want to just uh, pick up the thing of harvesting. Let's have a look in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. This is a very familiar one, but we just need to lay it before we go on to the harvest. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 6, I tell you this. Whoever sows sparingly shall reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully shall reap bountifully. Now let every man... Give according as he purpose in his heart. Let him give not grudgingly of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you having all sufficiency in all things may abound in every good work. So God calls money a seed. Now there are a lot of things are seeds. Most people know plants are seed, but there's other things are seeds as well. God calls money a seed, and you can sow the seed and get a harvest. And so the Bible's our life. If you every farmer knows You can't expect to live off one meeting a week. You have to develop a life where you yourself are sowing into your internal life. So from your internal life, you reap a harvest. We have to sow the word of God into our life. It's the word of God that will produce a change and a result in us. But if we never read it, never meditate, never speak it, how can we get a harvest of godliness? We'll just struggle with the same old issues year in, year out. To come up and old call get delivered. Well, that's fine and wonderful. Power of God came, you got set free. But will you change? Will you put the word in, sow the seed of life, and begin to reap a harvest from the word sown into your heart. See, this is where the foundations of Christianity formed, is having the Word of God in your heart. Jesus was the Word manifested. In other words, whatever the Bible tells, he lived it out. He lived it out. Lived it, lived it, lived it. He had experience. He lived it out in his life. So the Bible tells us here about harvesting and sowing and reaping. And it tells us this, how we should give. God wants us to give hilariously, give glad heart. He doesn't want you to give with a grumpy face. Doesn't want to give you with your hand twisted up your back. Doesn't want you to give out of obligation. None of those things are really happy giving. God wants us to give not out of duty obligation, but out of an overflowing heart of gratitude and love for him. And then he tells us very clearly that if we do this, there's a harvest we can expect. And the harvest comes from God. That's the thing that we find hard to see. We keep looking at the world as our source. Well, my job is my source. Well, if it is, then you'll serve that and you'll bow down to that and you'll live under cruel bondage. But if God is your source and you serve him, you can go into your workplace and enjoy what you're doing, representing Christ and bring his life into the place. See, your attitude will be totally different. See, we're either going to serve money or serve God. And we're caught all the time with that, 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 that pull one way or the other. And I want, you, I want us to be servers of God, lovers of God. And one of the ways we can see whether we're lovers of God is whether we're able to release what God has given to us and become a channel of God. You're designed to be a giver. Right? Huh? You see, somebody's struggling with that because he says, You haven't thought of that, but you're actually designed to be a giver. When God created you, He created you in His image and likeness. Sin has changed that a little, but essentially, you're designed to be a giver because you're made in the image of God, and God's a giver. So, when, you notice when you're a giver how, how wonderful it is to give. How, how, you wrap up a present and give it to someone, boy, I can hardly get over the excitement. I hardly keep the gift. I can hardly keep it. I did really well this year. I kept a gift for about two years for my wife for her 60th birthday. Nearly killed me keeping it. I want to give it every. I want to give it all the time. But when you give, there's a great joy comes out of giving. Why does it come like that? Because we are fulfilling how God has designed us. If you're a taker all the time, you can never be happy, never have enough, because you're functioning against how God designed you. He designed you to operate in harmony with the laws of His kingdom. So when you do that, every time I'm a generous giver, there's something, oh, you feel good about that. There's something, there's a reward of its own because we are doing what God called us to do. When you love people, there's something, when you you, you show kindness to people, there's something inside you feels fulfilled because you know you're designed to do that. When you're resentful or bitter or hateful of people, you know something's going wrong inside you. You don't feel happy about that. You don't go to bed happy. It goes round in your mind. But when when we're we're honest, you know, I remember going to a a gas station on the way up to Taupo and and I bought a couple of things there and as I I looked at it, the girl gave me too much change back and there's a moment of time, a split second. And the question is this, Who are you? An honest person or a cheat? I said, "Excuse me, you've given me too much." And you could hear the whole shop go silent. And she she sort of ignored me. I said, "Excuse me, I think you've given me too." I raised my voice deliberately. If I'm going to do this, I'm going to. If I'm going to do it, I'm going to really do it. You know. So I raised my voice so the whole the whole shop could hear it. Excuse me, you have given me too much change back. everyone looked and you can see the woman was shocked she was absolutely shocked because no one's honest like that but you understand and, and then, and, you know I did this and just uh, you know just able to it was just opportunity to witness as I get in the car and driving back up there the Lord said do you imagine he said have you ever thought or did you think or did you stop to think how you would feel driving the rest of the journey if you'd kept the money I thought I'd be like hell inside. My conscience would be tormenting me all the way to Taupo. I'd probably, in the end, have to call it all the way back and give them the money. <laughs> but you see, it's not about whether anyone's looking. No one was looking and no one knew. Except God was watching whether I'd live out who I'm called to be. So you've got to see this in terms of who you are, who you're called to be. The Son of the Living God, called to represent Him. You know something? I had a joy. That was only $2. I'd have had a misery. But I got a joy. $2, that's all it would have, that's all it would have been. Uh, and see, but you see, when, there's something about living in harmony with God's ways. It just has a joy and a fulfillment of its own. So when we're a giver, we're living in harmony with God's ways. But we can expect that something will happen back to us. See, what God responds, and this He tells us here, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you. He's able to do it, doesn't mean to say, well. He's able to make all grace abound. You having all sufficiency in all things may abound in every good work. So very clearly, God tells us he will release provision. He will multiply what we've sown and he will give us an abundance. So we can guarantee that if we are givers to God, givers to God. Now I'm not talking about giving to everything that comes along. We're talking about giving as the Holy Ghost leads and directs you. So you need to learn how to give as God directs us not to every willy-nilly thing that comes along. You'll be ripped off massively. God wants us to invest, not throw our money away. You invest when you sow where God told you to sow and you sow into good ground that produces fruit, somewhere where God's placed his anointing or put his word into your heart to do it. And the Bible tells us very, very clear that there's a reward for sowing. And I wanna just talk about this today because the church has responded wonderfully in its giving. And we have believed. I don't have all the money right now, but I believe by the end of the year, I'll have fulfilled all of that commitment. And we committed to uh, sell our car to sow into the mission field in, 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 uh, in uh, Asia. And uh, we've done that now. God just provided the, the, the release of the finance. We've just got to uh, send the money over there now. We'll do that this week. And God provided. God's spoken to our hearts about giving $5,000 into our missions here. So it'll be about $11,000 altogether. I say, well, where do you get the money? Well, not the money, but it's okay. God will God has spoken, therefore he'll find a way of releasing it, say? And so even before I have got that money to Asia, someone's given me another car. Unbelievable, isn't it, really? See, they talk about the reaper overtaking the sow. I can't wait to get that seed out of my hand now. Might <laughs> burn a hole in the pocket. So but but God promises it. And God, I want you to see this, that for every person here who made a decision to respond what God was doing in the church, to touch another nation. Every one of you gave, you can expect certain things. See, and I want to just shift your thinking a little bit about the whole aspect of giving. Because most people, when we think of giving, we think, well, you know, it costs us something. We just don't think right about it. I want to shift your thinking in two areas today. But the first is we just have a look here. Let me just run by you just uh, two or three Proverbs that uh, give you some, uh, some insights. In, in Proverbs 21 verse 13, it tells us that if we uh, neglect the cry of the poor, then we'll cry ourselves and God won't hear us. Or putting it around the other way, if we respond to the cry of the poor. Now, I'm not saying given to every poor person. We're talking about sowing into what God is building in the earth. God does not just come to where people are in need. He comes to where people passionately pursue Him. So I sow to where the local church is building under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Because then I know when I give into that area, it will multiply and increase and and His name will get the glory and the honor. So answered prayer. You can believe if you have been a sower, God will begin to answer your prayers at a different level. So start to stretch in your praying. There's another proverb there in Proverbs 22 verse 9 and it talks about the blessing of God coming on those who give to the poor. God blesses us. What his blessing means is, now how does it work out? Well, you get a bargain. It costs you less to get something. You know, have anyone known what it's like when you bought something and then a week later it was on a sale? Didn't you hate that? Half off. God, I hate that. But isn't it much better if you decided you were going to buy something and you felt to wait And then you go in and it, oh, it's on a sale, 50% off. Ho, 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 thank you, Lord. Can you understand? Now, God has got lots of ways of getting money to us. And one of it is we don't have so many things break down. We don't have so many accidents. We don't get ripped off so often. Another way is that we happen to be in the right place at the right time. We just seem to just get things right. And that's the blessing of God. You can expect that God's going to just bless you, that whatever you've given out, that God will increase the whole thing. Because he knows you're a sower, a giver. Oh, and here's another one. Here it tells us there. Proverbs 28 and verse 27 talks about there being no lack. See? here that deals with that. No lack to those who give to the poor. When we give out to people who are who are who are who the, the Lord is wanting to reach and touch with the gospel, when we give out to them, we we don't have to suffer lack ourselves. You say, well, boy, you're going to take. No, I'll be in lack trying to get this commitment full. No, you won't. Temporary shortage, maybe. But you can go without a meal, it doesn't hurt you. You can go without a lot of meals, it doesn't hurt you. There's nothing to go without a few meals. There isn't. We've done it, done it heaps of times. It's nothing. It's just no lack. It doesn't mean there won't be seasons when it's tight or tough. It means when you look at the bigger picture over a period of time, we have just moved on abundantly. God's helped us. So so you can expect that. These are are words you can stand on. Philippians 4, verse 19, it tells us, Now my God shall supply your every need. Now he's not talking to every believer here. He's talking to those who gave, Paul's, Paul's writing to those who gave into his apostolic ministry into the nations. When we sow into apostolic work, we can absolutely guarantee that promise applies to us. That's why I find what apostles are doing, and I give them to that, because I know I can then stand on that, uh, that scripture absolutely, that he will supply my every need. Amen? So, so I'm going to just throw those out. Just You can search the Bible yourself. You've got to find your own promises. I've just given you some, just for those who just find it a bit hard to find some. So we'll take those ones down. But what I want to get on is this. Here's the thing. There is a contention over your harvest. And we have to understand this, that even if you have sown, it's possible to have a very, very poor harvest. It's possible even if you've sown generously to get very, very poor return. And so we need to do some things to ensure our harvest is not poor, our harvest is abundant. One of the things, of course, is sowing in the right place. Sowing where God has directed us and led us. But the other thing is to realize there is an enemy seeks to steal the harvest. So I want to give you a few scriptures related to that because there is a contention for you. God, by 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 giving and by responding to God, you have positioned yourself for God to begin to move in your life. you put yourself in a place where God can move and God is able to do it. But I don't want to be in a place where he's able to do it. I want to get it. I want to have it. I just talking way up there. I want it now. And I want it soon anyway. I don't want it to just disappear. You know, I don't want to be just full of, oh, well, God will bless me. No, 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 come on, get specific. What are you believing God for as you sowed? And I've sown finances and got miracles in my family. Miracle breakthroughs in my family because of sowing and coupling my, pr- my sowing money with prayer. And so God can do it, but, but you, it doesn't automatically happen. I didn't give today, and then it happened tomorrow. There's usually a bit of a delay, and in that time of delay, the enemy comes to try and steal from you. So, how does the devil steal? we will talk about that a little bit. John ten ten tells us now: the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. So, the devil does not want you to experience harvest. He does not want you to have a harvest of souls. Or putting it simply, he does not want your husband to get saved, your wife to get saved, your children to get saved, your grandchildren to be saved. He doesn't want your friends saved. He does not want you to harvest where God has planted you. And secondly, he does not want you to harvest financially. If you're a person who's uh, called of God to generate finances, then you will have a spiritual opposition come against you that you need to be aware of, or you'll be a bit upset by some of the things that happen to you unusual things can happen and it's because spiritual forces push against it have gotta know what to do so there's a contention for the harvest there's always a contention for the harvest so God positioning people now so that he can put money into their hands why because how many understand and know that before the end of the age before the coming of Christ there will be a worldwide spreading of the gospel and a harvesting of salt how many absolutely know that well you can't do it without money so if that's going to happen on a global scale, there has to be a huge increase financially into the body of Christ to enable this to take place. And for that to take place, God must have some people who are ready to receive and to distribute it. You are now preparing your future. Today is made up of what you were doing yesterday. You've reaped it. Tomorrow will be reaped of what you're doing today. So today we are sowing and preparing and positioning ourselves so God can entrust things to us. And the devil doesn't want you to receive. So he wants to discourage you completely, say don't do anything. And there's a number of ways he's got of doing it, Say, So there's a contention and, and there's a prize. And the prize is harvest. So how many got someone here that you're believing God for to get saved? And uh, man, well, I tell you what, you know, when you gave that offering, I'd have been putting their name attached to it. You know, the Bible tells us that Cornelius, you know, gave with prayer and fasting. God said your, your arms, your giving has come up with your prayers as a memorial to God. So in other words, giving coupled with prayer actually is a powerful statement in the Spirit that I really mean business here. I'd be coupling prayer with your giving. See, it's not too late to do that. Just hold that offering before the Lord and believe God for that increase. Now, in Judges chapter 6 and, and the first few verses, Judges chapter 6, first few verses. Judges 6, it tells us this. It says, uh, verse. Uh, we'll pick it up around about verse 3. And it says, When Israel had sown, the Midianites came up, and the Amalekites and the children of the east came up against them, and encamped against them, and destroyed the increase of the earth till you come to Gaza, left no sustenance for Israel. They entered into the land to destroy it, and Israel was impoverished and cried to the Lord. Now you notice here, it talks about they sowed, and what they'd sown was taken from them. And this story repeats itself over and over and over in the Old Testament. Many times, the reason the enemy came in was because there was sin and God was trying to get their attention. But what we need to see just in this verse today is that there is a real enemy who will come to try and steal what God has planned for you to have by way of blessing. And you've got to stand up and get a bit of attitude inside you. The Bible says the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. In other words, there's an attitude to bring God's provision into the earth. See, the same when we come to a meeting here. I don't come to a meeting just waiting to feel good and hope that somehow God might come. I come with an attitude. I meet God. Come with an attitude, give the best. Come with an attitude, no slackness, give him the praise, give him the honor, he will come. It's like the kingdom of heaven has got an attitude when you say, well, I'm not like that. I'm not like you. Oh, yes, you are. You've got the same spirit inside you. You've got the spirit of Christ, and he's got an attitude. See, the trouble is when we think of Jesus, oh, gentle, loving, nice, heals. See, what we, what we take is all the, the feminine or the, 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 the female aspects or attributes. What we haven't got is the, the masculine ones. He's got aggression. Made a whip and drove him out of the house of God. See? Confronted people. Called the religious people, pack of serpents and hypocrites and snakes. Tombs that are painted up. Got all your paint on, but inside dead men's bones. Oh, I like that kind of talk. That's good talk, isn't it, eh? You see, so what we see is often, what happens in the church is we get kind of the softer aspects of Jesus, the gentle Jesus. We don't get the strong. He's a man and he's got some strength in him. Any man who could stand up to people, who man who's about to betray him and look him in the eyes and still reach out and show him some love. That man's got some grit in him. That's the Jesus we serve. It's our Jesus, not another Jesus. Don't make Jesus something he isn't. Don't get a picture of him that isn't like what he really is. He's gutsy. He's assertive. And when he comes back the next time, boy, is he going to do some asserting. Bible says he come back, have be on a horse with a sword? And the nations will bow. And coming back meek and mild next time, that's for sure. And he didn't come meek and mild this time. He went into places where people... Waited on every word to accuse him. And he wasn't intimidated a bit. He went over to church and looked around them. And the Bible says his eyes were cold with anger at their hypocrisy and hardness and lack of love. And he did something to just make them mad. Look around. Found someone with a crippled hand. He said, hey, you with a crippled hand. Yeah, whoa, whoa, whoa. Stand up. Stood up. Stretch out your hand. Healed put a challenge to the Pharisees. Well, what do you reckon about that? Is it okay to heal on a church day? And they were furious. See, you need to see Jesus quite assertive. The kingdom of heaven does not advance on the earth unless you're willing to assert a bit of effort. So you've got to break out of being a poor victim waiting for Jesus to come through and help you and rise up on the inside and believe greater is he in me than he that's in the world. I've got to start changing the way I think, the way I look at life. You're here to make a difference. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. Whatever God has called you to do, you can do it. You can do it through Christ that dwells inside you. So we need a bit of attitude here, right? See, so the attitude, now the devil comes against us to take from us. How does he do it? Well, there's a whole heap of ways he does. Let me give you just a handful of ways he comes just so you recognize them. One of the ways he comes against your finances. Now, we're talking about a financial harvest here. So this applies to every other harvest. One, he comes against you with a siege. I love this in the Old Testament. 1 Samuel 11 verse 1 tells us that Nahash the Ammonite, that means the serpent, came up and he besieged the city. That means they surrounded and cut off all the supplies. you ever had a time when you felt like, man, it's as tight as can be. I got, there's nothing. Oh, man, I'm really struggling here. That's a siege being laid on. You've got to learn how to tough it out, stand up inside it. What he was trying to do was get them to Compromise. Never compromise just because you're in a tough time. Stay your ground. Tough times will soon be over. Say you just got to stand your ground. Just stand your ground when it's tough. It won't last forever. It won't last forever. You've got to stand your ground. It says what Nahas the Ammonite said. He, he put a siege around the city. He said, come on. He said, you come out and serve me. They said, oh, please, we'll give up anything. We'll come and serve you. He said, okay, this is what the deal is. Oh, I'm going to poke out one of your right eyes. Every man of you, I'm gonna poke your eye out. That's what happens when you're. And you know why they do that? Because if you're a soldier, you you hold the shield with your left hand, you got the sword with your right, and you're looking around. That so you need that right eye. You need both eyes to get distance. So what? What in other words he's saying is, if you make a compromise with me, I'll ruin your ability to be a soldier. You can't come into compromise coming to compromise you'll lose your harvest that's exactly the devil that's what he wants to he wants to put the pressure on you so there you are in business and there's nothing happening and the bulls are coming and they're pounding at the door and you've prayed and you've sowed and it's as hard as can be tough it out tough it out i'll show you a couple of things you can do that'll help you in that situation but you've got to stand up you can't compromise ought to be so easy to compromise. Just a little here, a little there. Before you know it, you're no longer a soldier of God. You're entangled and you, you've got the tax department after you. Not good. Not good. Okay? We don't need that kind of stuff. They don't yield to the seed. So the siege. So some of you may find a siege come on you and you find you just decided to give or made a pledge to give. And then suddenly the, the money is at the lowest ebb it's ever been ever. Usually it happens just before you're about to give. So, about the two weeks ago, it started to come. How many felt it was a pressure in the spirit the last couple of weeks? <laughs> Good on you. You must have known we were sending teams out to the nations. Don't worry about it. This is normal life. This is our life. It's not a sweet life, it's a soldier's life. Come on. We need to stand up inside, get some grit in us. Here's another way is through the area of control. Control. Exodus chapter 10 verses 8 to 11 tells us that when Moses went up to Pharaoh and he said Pharaoh let my people go that they may serve me," he said alright ok 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 I'll let the men go no 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 he said everyone goes he said, oh I don't know about that well, i tell you what I'll keep, all the, I'll keep the finances and every step of the way Moses stood up and he said listen the men are going the women are going the children are going the finances are going everything's going And not only that, we're going to help ourselves to back away. And the Pharaoh pushed against him all the time. Now, the Pharaoh is a picture of the devil. He will push against you. So you can be saved, but don't try and spring that one on your spouse. Or, okay, you can be saved, but leave your children to make up their own mind. No, the kids are coming too. Well, you can be saved to go to church, but don't you bring any of that stuff into your business. Yep, the money's coming too. Every part of my life is coming under the lordship and leadership of Christ. There's no room for the devil anywhere in any part of my life. And they came out, and the Bible says, it says of Moses, he put a demand. They demanded their back pay. And the people were so glad to get rid of them, they just gave them 400 years of back pay. That's good back pay. They were loaded with gold and silver, every kind of good thing. But you know something? He had to contend to get it. We don't have to pressure or contend with people. We contend with spiritual forces that will hold out on us. You've got to learn how to stand up and speak in the Spirit and and put a demand in prayer that the devil yield up what he's controlling. Another way that uh, the devil kind of knocks our harvest back is by getting us to connect with the wrong people. In uh, 2 Chronicles 20, verse 35 to 37, there's one of the kings there and he gets involved in an alliance with someone who's an ungodly man. Very tempting when you're in business to get in with the wrong people. And as a result of it, it cost him heavily financially to be entangled in a business deal with someone who is an ungodly person. You've got to have wisdom in who you do business with and how you do your business. Or you can be ripped off very, very easily. You end up coming under them. Excessive debt's another way. Proverbs 7 Getting into debt. How many people? See, I I remember talking to one couple, said, do not get yourself heavily into debt because there'll come a day when God will say, I want you to sow, I want you to give so I can bless you and you won't be able to do it because your debt will be such a burden on your life. And the world says, come on, get into debt. My daughter was just talking to me the other day. She's a bit short of finance at university. She was wondering if we should get a student loan. I said, don't go down that path. You go down that path, it's a one-way street into bondage. Don't go down that path. Find a way through it. We'll help you get a job, do something, but don't go down that path if you can possibly avoid it because it's too easy to dip and dip and dip and dip and then one day you'll walk out of there and the next five, ten years of your life, you'll be working to pay off what they said you can have for nothing. You'll pay it. Oh, you'll pay. You will pay. You'll pay thousands of dollars for that simple just dipping in and helping yourself. Come on. just tough up and learn how to handle it so we helped her out but also directed do some things as well see another another thing that'll rob your harvest is fear greed and fear 2 kings 5 verse 20 Gehazi went out Gehazi was a man with a call of God on his life but when he saw this unsaved man he said man I got a chance here I can get some money off this guy so he, he said to the prophet he said I've just got to go I'll be long and he chased after this man who'd just been healed of leprosy he said hey listen Listen, you could help us out here. We need some money. We need some clothes. We need this and that. He said, yeah, fine. Give it to him. He gave it to him. You know, that cost him everything. Cost him his family. Cost him his destiny. Cost him his ministry. Cost him everything. How the devil wants to steal your harvest. Now, I want to share with you some simple things that will help you just hold on to what God has given you. And uh, I want you to just uh, look with me. And uh, I'm just going to summarize them. We don't need to look at them all. I'll Just give them to you just by one after the other. Very, very simply. See? Jesus is building a prevailing church. We have to understand that. In 1 John 5 and verse 4. Now this is the victory that overcomes the world. Even our faith. And who is he that overcomes? He that is born of the Spirit of God. Now listen, if you are born again, you've got in you what it takes to win in life. You've got someone inside who wants to guide you, coach you, strengthen you, help you. You've got to learn to draw on the life of the Holy Ghost. Learn how to pray in tongues. Learn how to worship. Learn how to listen to the voice of God. Learn how to let God speak into your heart and life. This is the victory that overcomes the world. Our believing, not our trying. Our believing. Doesn't mean you don't do anything, but you've got to get into a place of faith. Now, most Christians start off in faith and then they just try hard trying hard won't get you the victory in hebrews 12 verses 1 and 2 it says of jesus it said for the joy which is set before him he endured the cross now notice this the joy set before him in other words he's believing for something to happen he didn't go to the cross to oh, go oh, 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 oh nails oh no ah, thorns. Oh. just thinking about it drives me crazy no one he broke out into a sweat no, 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 it wasn't like that. The Bible says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. In other words, he was motivated by vision and faith, not by sacrifice. Most Christians, you talk about, oh, all the sacrifice, all the cost, i serve God, will cost me. Where do you get that thinking? Where do you get that thinking? God doesn't take, he gives. He's a giver, he's generous. If he asks you to let go of something, it's because he has something better to take place. See, so he never takes from us. He'll just align our lives so we're in a position to be blessed. So notice here, you've got to get a mentality, not that's associated with, I've got, oh, I've got to give up so much to follow Jesus so hard. Hey, listen, living in sin is real hard. Not initially, but afterwards, it's so messy and hard. It really impacts you and it impacts everyone around you. But to live in godliness, well, it may seem a little painful and tough at the beginning, and after a while, it produces tremendous fruit in your life. Okay, let me just give you a few simple things. See, I want us to get off the mindset of what it costs me in this offering, and I want you to get in a mindset of I am believing God for something. See? Now, I know that it costs us something. It's cost us us something. But that's okay. I'm not going to focus on the cost. I'm focusing on what I'm believing God to do. So let me just give it to you real quick, and I'll take a couple of minutes to do this. I want to give you several simple things. The difference between the mindset of faith or believing God and the mindset of sacrifice, it's costing me something. They're a different way of thinking. And I want you to change. I want you to, to just reorient how you think. See, number one, the mindset of faith is focused on God. The mindset of cost is focused on me. Oh, the pain I've had to give But the mindset of faith is focused on God and intimacy with Him. I am doing what God spoke to me personally to do. So when you're in a place of faith, you're thinking about what God has told you. Not about what it's costing you. You're in a place of faith. Second thing, the mindset of faith is focused on the promises of God. Whereas the the mindset of uh, sacrifice is focused on my commitment. It's all about me and what I'm, I'm committed to do. Whereas, you see, Jesus was focused on the promises of God. All men of faith are focused on the promise. See what God has promised. The Bible says of Abraham, he did not stagger with doubt, but believed God. See, now it cost him something, but he never focused on the cost. He kept focused on the promises of God, what God had said to him. If you're going to be a faith person, you need God to be talking to you. And you need to be taking his word, getting it in your heart. What is God telling me to do? I can believe he's going to do certain things in my life. The mindset of faith is focused on God's faithfulness. Sarah counted God faithful. Whereas the mindset of cost is focused on my effort. I wonder if I can really do this. Well, I can't really do this. See, the mindset of faith is focused on fulfilling my purpose. I'm called to do this. This is why I'm in business. is to be a channel of finance for God's kingdom. This is why I'm here on this earth, to advance the kingdom of God. This is why I'm here. See, it's, it's all about purpose. This is our purpose in life, is to make a difference with our life. In Acts 26 verse 16 tells us of Paul, that he says, for this purpose have I raised you up. He was raised for a purpose. You've been raised for a purpose. You were saved to do something. Saved to be someone and saved to do something. Whereas fulfilling my purpose, that's the mindset of faith. Whereas fulfilling my duty is the mindset of sacrifice. I've got to do this. While we're part of the church, I guess we've got to do this. Don't live out of duty, live out of faith. Live out of hearing God. Live out of a positive response. See, the mindset of faith has got pressure placed on the word of God to do something. The mindset of sacrifice, it's on me to do something. You see, if you've heard from God what to do, and God has been speaking to you, start to confess his word. Start to declare his word over your life. Start to declare his word over your finances. Start to declare his word over your business. Why? Because when you start to call the things that be not as though they are, God is given something to work with. Faith speaks what God has said. Listen, the very first words that God spoke in the Bible are words that created something. And if the very first use of words mentioned in the Bible was not about a relationship but about creating something, you have it in your words to create things. But you have to learn to create, not create evil. The Bible tells us death and life are in the power of the tongue. You can create evil immense problems through gossip or you can create great blessings through using your tongue to speak God's word most Christians don't learn to speak with the word of God they've got to speak the word of God over our life got to speak it over our finances speak it over us our... it shall be done unto me according to thy word we need to learn to meditate in the word so it roots in our heart and then speak it out with faith in our heart into our circumstances it does something Why is it that the presence of God will come into a meeting when we begin to declare He is good? We gave something for Him to work with. We put words in there. Faith-filled words. See, so we've got to learn to do that. We have to learn to hold the Word of God over our life. And last one, the mindset of faith fights for the manifestation of promise, whereas the mindset of sacrifice gets frustrated at the delays. You're frustrated at the delays Isaiah 54 verse 17 tells us, it tells us. It talks there About no weapon formed against you Shall prosper Now you need to learn to speak it over your life you Need to stand in the spirit Fired up in the Holy Ghost And begin to speak over your life Over your circumstances No weapon Has the devil got a weapon against you? Yeah he's been studying you a while Oh depression I'll send you a bit of depression No weapon formed against my mind shall work Well, he knows that you get guilty if you're accused. I'll send an accuser along. No weapon formed against me. No accusation shall prosper. We're going to learn to take the word of God and use it as it is a sword, a hammer, a weapon over our circumstances and our life and the atmosphere we carry. If you're not going to speak the word of God over your life, then the television will speak a lot of other words. And you'll be in agreement with those words. And it will shape your destiny. But oh, saints, we're called to a harvest. A harvest of souls, a harvest financially, a harvest of blessings. We give to position ourselves, but then we have to stand until the promises of God are manifest. See, you're not healed until the healing is manifest. Prior to that, you're in a place of hope or in a place of faith. If you're in a place of hope, you're hoping it'll happen, but it hasn't happened yet. You're still sick. In a place of faith, you know it's as good as done, but you still may be sick. But it's going to happen now because you're in a place of faith. So we need to get the word of God around our life and begin to start speaking it over our minds, our lives, our circumstances, our relationships, allowing the word of God to shape what our life becomes instead of letting the pressure and the devil push you around and shove you around. You're not called to just sacrifice a lot and pay a big price. Not at all. That may be part of the deal. But Jesus, for the joy that was ahead of him, for what was laid up for him, it was for the promises that were ahead. He endured all that stuff. Moses, it says he despised the riches of wealth. Why? He had respect for the reward that God had for him. Motivated by vision, by faith, by reward. See, that's how God wants you to be living your life. Motivated by the wonderful, wonderful blessings God will bring to those who love him and serve him. Father, we just thank you today that you have brought us to a place of being able to sow generously, abundantly into the harvest field, not only in Uganda, but other places. I thank you, Lord, for generous hearts, generous people have given, and, Lord, for others who have not yet given but are going to. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the release. To be able to do things in nations that will advance your kingdom. Father, I pray for every person in this church. That position themselves through sowing. To receive an increase. I pray blessing. Father, we decree blessing and increase. Father, let it begin to overtake them before they're even aware of it. Father, we rebuke the devour in Jesus' name. We pray, Lord, an open heaven over every marriage, every family, every young person. We pray for finances to be released. We pray for opportunities to come, for work to come, for connections to come, for advantages to come. We pray, Lord, for favor to come in every area. Father, I pray that people would have testimony after testimony. Look how the Lord has blessed me. Look at the way he's connected me. Look at what God has done. Father, release that into this church in Jesus' mighty name. Let every family here break out of containment. Let every family here break out of being limited. Let every family break out of being minimized and held back and start to expand in the things of the Holy Ghost. My God, release your fire upon us as a people. Release your fire upon us as a people. Can everyone say amen? Can you say amen? Can you stand up on the inside and the outside? Say, my God.